What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Today, Sean and I jumped right in, and we talked. Tough day for Sean. Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets and the saga of everything. After that, we talked Knicks. Following that, we talked MLB. After that, we talked a little bit of PGA and just golf in general. Then we talked about the country, and we went on a bullshit fest. So... Listen, if you guys don't want to listen to the whole thing, I get it. Sean and I will be offended and hurt, but at the end of the day, it's your life, so live it as you choose. Enjoy the pod. Happy 4th of July, and we'll be talking to you soon. studio when we were once upon a time recording in person we are not only not doing that but my team is in shambles and the next chapter is upon us but we have more serious things to talk about but welcome aboard sir how are you i i'm doing good i think i sound a little bit better than you i know you're a little bit under the weather i i listen this is your this is your flu game and i think it's an important (laughs) pod to have um, I do too. But you can be honest now that we're on the pod. I, I gave you all the sympathy before. Is it just because you've been crying all day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Um, no, I, I want to open the pod to you uh, to start because I made fun of you a couple of years ago. And I have had my fun at your Knicks fandom expense for the last couple of years and i believe that there is no better opportunity tom for you to kind of peacock around me um, well here's the, problem as the day that you that. signed jalen brunson which by the way we can talk about on its own but mm-hmm. the floor is yours sir so go ahead well to dance on the grave of someone else as a Knicks fan, it's kind of difficult because um, it's still the Knicks. And I'm trying to think of an analogy here. I guess it's like a homeless person, no offense to the homeless people out there, a homeless person with a tent making fun of um, a homeless person. A homeless person with a refrigerator box, uh, I think. Um, I guess I'm King Homeless today. Um, so I I just want to start off by saying welcome back, Sean. Welcome back to reality. Yeah. Um. It was a nice little run there for a few years, you know. Year one, KD doesn't play. Kyrie Irving, in and out of the lineup. Year two, what do you guys go forty one and forty, or was that this year, uh, or whatever? Who cares? Uh, year three, one of the weirdest seasons ever. Kyrie plays fucking two games. Kevin Durant gets up and down and hurt. So. What do you have to show for it? Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Welcome back to reality, Sean. And unfortunately, it's a grim reality for you because, listen, I pray to God that you guys do it right. The ownership isn't the same. 
The management isn't the same. I pray to God you get an absolute haul for Kevin Durant and you get a little something for Russell Westbrook because if not, you guys mortgage your future for um, James Harden. And now if things go badly, we are looking at, I don't think as bad, but a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, both could have been Nets pick situation. And this is grim, my friend. I don't think it'll be that bad. I'm just setting up the worst for you. And this is really, really, really bad. Like, and you know what? It's, it sucks as an NBA fan. I was talking to my cousin and a few other people about that today. Just it's, it's a great sport. The playoffs, some of it was fun, but it's just, it's really hard to root on your team, especially when you're, in the media capital of the world is a Knicks fan and the best player, the best free agent you've gotten. I couldn't even remember since when is Jalen Brunson, who at some point during the slow summer, will do our, you know, top five players in each top 10. And he, maybe he's 16 in the league at point guard. Um, so no, no dancing on the grave, but just really wanted to lay it out there for the folks. This, this is, this might be honestly, as low, lower than the Giants, uh, clearly lower than the Yankees have ever been. This might be the lowest moment in sorry sports fandom history. Listen, you're you're 100 right. Like this is a very dark day for me. Um, and I don't want to laugh great, too much. Right? No, 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 no. No, because no, shut the fuck up. You <laughs> just gave your soliloquy, okay? Well, so here's why I don't want to dance now. on the grave, because I'm still a Knicks fan, bro. And, oh, and... stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay? Your team is floating under the radar, and it's making improvements. And here's the thing. You're right. The Nets will make improvements. They are going to get the most unprecedented haul for a player of all time. We just saw what the Hawks got or what the Spurs got for DeJounte Murray. They got three firsts, two of which are unprotected for DeJounte Murray. The Nets are trading Kevin Durant with four years of team control, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So so let's talk about this for a second. And by the way, thank you for showing your sympathy. I'm not feeling great. I'm a little under the weather. I don't know what it is. And maybe it's a Texas thing. When I come back to Connecticut in, I think it's five weeks, six weeks, I will be rejuvenated. And I will be in that sweet, sweet, sweet early August weather in in Connecticut. But until then, right now I'm not feeling great. We haven't had rain in I can't tell you how long. Uh, I, my throat is all clogged up. I'm not feeling all that well. Doesn't I don't know matter. if you're built for Texas, man. We're going to find out, my (laughs) man. We are going to find out because right now I'm succumbing to the conditions. But right now, three years to the day that the Nets got the clean sweep, quote-unquote, Adrian Wojnarowski tweet. Tom, they will get an unprecedented haul for Kevin Durant including one or two all-star players plus insane draft capital that will make up for the James Harden trades. But it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not KD. Run, Run this through an algorithm for me. Okay. If you play this scenario out, 
a hundred times. You're going to sign Jordan, Irving, and Durant. Durant's not playing year one. Irving's only going to play 35 games, 34 games in year one. They're going to come together in year two. They're going to make a trade for James Harden. And if you look back on that series against Boston in 2021, when they were clicking on all cylinders, this was a cheat code of a team. They were not only going to win, they were going to win running away. And then Harden gets hurt in game one against Milwaukee. Irving gets hurt in game four against Milwaukee. Against Giannis's fat foot. And then Durant comes up a half an inch short on his fucking toe. His fat winning foot. Winning game seven. We think about what could have been Milwaukee. Giannis might never have been a championship team. There's a lot that goes into championships. There's a lot that goes into winning. You put this through an algorithm, Tom. This net situation is completely different. Almost every single scenario outside of the reality. The reality is it didn't even last a full three years. Durant wants out. Irving's on his way out. It looks like the Lakers are where he's trying to force himself. At this point, if Durant's gone, you might as well bring in Westbrook. Ouch. It's a terrible day. I mean, I it's think... Ter- I, it's, it's a terrible... It's a terrible day for I a think, fan. To be honest, Sean, since you're not feeling well, I think we're good. We can cut it right there, right? It was you, when you said <laughs> if Durant's gone, we might as well bring in Westbrook. I think that sums it up better than anything else that we can say for the rest of the time we're going to talk about the Nets. And, yeah, if you play it in a simulation a uh, hundred times, I think this might be beyond worst-case scenario. The fact that this team didn't even make it out of, what, the second round mm-hmm. of the playoffs. It, it only lasted three years to the day, right? I mean, yeah. it's honestly, I'm at, I'm at kind of a loss for words for it, um, just no, the NBA you're, you're and what it's become. Enjoy, you're going to enjoy it, and as you should. Like, I have laughed at your expense for three years. <laughs> And I have laughed at everyone's expense. And I have sent texts to multiple Nick fans when Kevin Durant puts up 38 on 14 shots. And I'm like, Kevin Durant is a Brooklyn net. And he's not anymore. They're no. going to ship him out. And here's the thing, Tom. They're going to get an insane level of compensation to which the league has never seen before. Yeah, but they you know what? It ain't two all-star players. They are going to get insane draft capital. It ain't KD. And I will talk. I will talk myself into it because I am a fan. But I'm never, ever, ever going to be happy. And Tom, can I just do a quick history lesson for you before you take over? I, I would love. It. I'm playing hurt. Okay. I would love nothing more. 2002, 2003, the Nets go to back to back. NBA Finals. They lose to the three-peat Lakers, and they lose to the San Antonio Spurs. They bring in Vince Carter. Kenyon Martin departs. Vince Carter, disgruntled superstar. Doesn't that sound so familiar? You know what their cap was with Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, Tom? 
Second round. Second round loss to Miami Heat in the 2006 playoffs. 2012-2013, they moved to Brooklyn. Darren Williams re-ups. They bring in Joe Johnson, Jared Wallace, Brooke Lopez. They are a four seed. They lose in round one, game seven, Chicago Bulls. The next year, the infamous <laughs> Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade. They are a five seed. They lose in five games to the Miami Heat in the playoffs. And then, most recently, Tom, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in their primes. Yes, Durant coming off an ACL, not ACL, I'm sorry, Achilles injury. We think, oh, by 2021-22, oh my God, they will have already won a championship. Not only that, they bring in James Harden. James Harden, one of the best players of the era. They play a total of 16 games together. Never advancing past round two. I make fun of the Knicks. And it's fun to do. The Knicks are laughable at times because I think they over-glamorize what their history actually is. Oh no, my friend. Today is your day to gloat, to laugh, and to enjoy my suffering. Because... (laughs) The New Jersey Brooklyn Nets history is nothing short of shortcoming, embarrassing, and yes, little brother syndrome reigns once again. The floor is yours. The IZOD Center, I believe, is still open. We can send the Brooklyn Nets (laughs) back to Newark, New Jersey, where they belong in America's armpit, New Jersey, because they are little brother. And it was proven today that they may forever be little brother. Um, I It's just so hard to put into words. It's like, I, I, I don't want to use a cliche, but if you wrote this up as a movie, they would tell you that it's too unbelievable. Uh-huh. It's the modern NBA star, for the most part, excluding Stephen Curry and hopefully Giannis Antetokounmpo and and maybe Luka, who the hell knows, he's young, is quite honestly, and we've talked about this with Kyrie sitting out his games and whatnot, um, and we talked about this with Ben Simmons and others, they're out of their mind. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I'm not a pro-owner kind of guy, but there needs to be some, I don't know, Adam Silver's got to get a hold of this. He really does, but right now he doesn't, and it is, I couldn't help but laugh, you know, when you sent me that text. You texted me saying you were not feeling well, and I was like, oh, that's okay, like, whatever. We'll we'll get back to it during the week next week and, and <laughs> recap everything. It's nothing big has happened so far, and then I look at my phone. And, Quite a coincidence, right? <laughs> and I look at my phone, and I see <laughs> all these bleacher reports and, and then your text, and it's like, you could have eaten. I listen, good job by you, big ups 
for coming on this pod because you could have easily. Oh, stop you, could it. Be... you know that I was not ready to back down. Like, no, you, you know couldn't. I, but I'm you know, very, I'm you easily honest. <laughs> you easily could have just said, "I can't even fathom talking about this right now. I feel no, like shit. I'm I going to bed." To. Um. Listen, again, I'll say, Russell Westbrook would look really good. Over there in, I don't know, I pass at Barclays all this time, but I don't even remember what part of Brooklyn it's in. Flatbush in Atlantic, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he would look really good in that black and black and white, I guess it is. And I think he's going to, Tom, because here's the thing. Like, the whole reason that I was against it, all fans were against it, and Marks was against it was... Kevin Durant doesn't want to play with Russell Westbrook again. That don't well, matter no more, my friend. <laughs> right. So, okay, why not? He has one year left on his contract. He's going to play his absolute ass off. You you get Durant to Phoenix be. or whatever team yeah, is absolute. Well, did you see the Bobby Marks segments on NBA Whatever it is now, it's not NBA Live. It's not NBA. It's a jump. It's not the jump even anymore. I don't know what the fuck it's called. But the ESPN's NBA show. We'll call it that. <laughs> there it is. Um, you can't sign after trading for a player on his rookie extension. You can't have more than one of that player. The Nets already have Ben Simmons. Mm. So Bam Adebayo or um, Tyler Devin Booker, who just signed oh, yeah, his, that too. Yeah, Devin Booker, who just signed his extension as soon as free agency opened up tonight. Wow, that's a bomb, my friend. Are not available. So Wow. So you can't get those guys. So the question then becomes, if Durant on his short list is Miami and Phoenix, it's like, do you go DeAndre Ayton? Bridges, Cam Johnson, three firsts. Didn't, Br- didn't Bridges sign his extension too? Or is it different? He signed the qualify. I don't know. It's qualifying offer. Okay. So he's I, available. Okay. But um, that, that's the thing though, right? Like that that's the kind of and, – and he doesn't have a no trade clause. Now, they're going to work with Rich Kleiman and Durant to try to find a partner – but they're also going to try to get back the best package because they want, according to Woj, two all-stars and the best pick uh, package that's ever been accumulated. Okay. Which is fair when you have totally. Kevin Durant for four years <laughs> under contract. It's it's insane what this NBA has become, and honestly, the balls. I mean, KD's one of the... Yeah, probably top. I sent you. I sent you like a week ago my revised top ten, and he mm-hmm. was he was. I mean, I guess we'll talk about that another time. But he was like thirteen for me or something. So he's up there. But it's just like, I mean, you look at it. You look at it a couple of years ago when Kawhi Leonard demanded a trade, and and he ended up with the ultimate middle finger because he won a championship in Toronto, but that's not where he wanted to go. Can, can you do that to KD? I mean, what's, what's KD's ultimatum? Oh, okay. You don't want to play for us. Well, then you're not playing for four years to whoever he goes to. It's a good question. I don't really know because even Kawhi had 
one year left. Durant has four. And I think, you know, you want to say, we'll, we'll screw you. We'll, we'll put you to whatever team we want. You know, there is still something to be said for reputation. And if Durant says, listen, the only reason I'm leaving is because I have no idea what Kyrie's doing and this team kind of fell apart, but I, I respect Cy and I respect Marks. I mean, There's sure. There's something to be set for that, right? But, uh, okay. but if he just goes up and open fire, Tom, then it's like, okay, like, I, I mean, we who, really who, don't care where I trade you. But I think it's in good nature I, for both sides I get to it. bring him somewhere where he wants to be. I get it. But at the same time, no matter what he says, he could say, you know, thank you, fuck you. Or he could just say, fuck you. At the end of the day, he's still saying, fuck you. You know what I mean? Sure, but that does depend on where he goes. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to have to wait for things to unfold. That's that's quite a little nugget of information from Bobby How Marks. How harmonious is this relationship? That's really my question, is mm. if they haven't talked at all, it's, listen, we're going to trade you to wherever the hell we want to trade you because we want the best package and you're going to have to deal with it, or in two years you were the best player we've ever had, we care about you. We understand the circumstance sucks and we'll work with you to find the partner that you want to go to. That's within reason. I think that's maintain a competitive team. And you know what? Just given the way today's NBA is and the way they've got these team, these players have these teams hamstrung. It's going to be the latter. It's going to be what you said. Second. Um, Where, where do you think? Sure. Early on guess. I mean, Phoenix and Miami were the short list. I'm going to say Phoenix is still the best option. I know they really want Devin Booker. He signed his extension today. I don't think that's realistic. I think you can get DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and an unprecedented amount of picks. Three firsts with three swaps. I think you start there. Yeah, I mean, here's that's, the thing, that's Tom. Start, like, that's again, not your like, all-star, guys. We don't guys. have... We don't have a precedent for this. We don't, we don't have a template for this. This is one of the best players of all time still in his prime with four years of team control that is available for auction, for lack of a better term. I hate using that because it sounds so bad, like, impersonal, but like it truly is what it is. It's a sweepstakes. That's a better word. I think. Sweepstakes. That sounds good. So what do you think? I mean, I think what what you said right there was we'll start with um, Bridges, Aiton, and Cam Johnson because that doesn't really fit the Nets requirements that they laid out because Bridges is a nice player, but he, was, was he, he wasn't an all-star. Aiton's not an all-star. Cam Johnson's not an all-star. I mean, yeah, it's a nice little base to to build your team around. Maybe you'll get an eight seed. Um, but I I think if you're the Nets, you're gonna have to make a lot of phone calls because, and it may get into the point where it's like, you know, that's just too little. And unfortunately, KD, we're gonna have to look elsewhere. Well, Rose reported that half the league has already called the Nets, which is understandable. Right? I think every like, team in the league should call the Knicks. The Knicks should call the Nets too. You got to do your due diligence. Absolutely. Cashman calls everybody. 
Yeah, exactly. Why not make the call? There's no reason not to. But the other circumstance is, what's a realistic expectation for the next next year? Like, they don't want to rebuild and go back to a time where they win 28 games. Like, they're trying to be competitive. Well, especially... That's why that two all-stars and an unprecedented amount of picks Especially when, when, you know, you're going to get a lot of picks back, but they're not going to be unprotected, possibly top five picks that Philly has from you guys because if you blow it up, that's what's going to happen. Right. So, it comes into play, right, where... Okay, we're going to have to trade this player. Do we want a three-year rebuild? Do we want a two-year rebuild? Do we not want to rebuild at all? I think that's where Sean Marks is really trying to do his due diligence because, in my opinion, everything that him and Cy have talked about is having a competitive team for 2022 and 2023. Simmons doesn't sound like he's going anywhere. So you're not going to build around Simmons, but you bring in Royce O'Neal. You still have Seth Curry under contract. Patty Mills resigned for two years, which I was shocked about, Tom. I thought he was going to go to a real contender. Uh, Claxton re-up for two years, $20 million, which is very cheap. Joe Harris is still under contract. I don't really know what this team is doing, but I do know this. Sean Marks has had a propensity for building a roster based off the kind of players that he wants, excluding Irving, Harden, and Durant. Well, he's not going to have any of those guys anymore. So where does he go? He's going to go back to the well of the kind of guy he wants. So, in Again, my opinion, back to here reality. we go. It's open for bidding. Do you have any names in mind like that? Well, you threw the monkey wrench. That are kind of come that are going to come to Brooklyn? Well, you threw the monkey wrench in there, and now, honestly, I'd have to give you some, some real research because I don't know who's sitting on their extension, their rookie extension. Because it's like, oh, Denver, if you throw a Jamal Murray, uh, uh, Michael Porter Can't Jr. Exactly. That's, that was my next thought was Denver would be really interesting. Um you know, and, and it's like you're really you're looking to pluck a superstar here, but I, you know, it's also like does he want to play there? Because there's a lot of really good talent in Indiana. Tyrese Halliburton, you could get Miles Turner. I don't know if he's an extension guy. Um, you know, and you could take a few of their other players back. I'm just I'm thinking of the map in my head right now, going through all the teams, and it's like. I mean, shit. Uh, I mean, Boston, maybe. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, four firsts. Yeah, but is but the thing is, and we'd have to, you, you know, you, we'd have to look this up. Is, is Jalen Brown on that same extension thing? Right. Because he's, he's he around is. the I same. Think, I, I think I think Tatum is. I don't think Brown is a part of that conversation. Mm. I mean, because I was watching SportsCenter earlier, and I it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong if you look it up or any listener want to tweet at us. I, I I don't believe I saw Jalen Brown's name mentioned in Bobby Marks' 
comments about the guys that can't be traded. Tatum definitely was. But I think if you can go smart, Brown, Williams, three unprotected first and maybe two swaps, you can go that route. Like, but, but again, like, I know that sounds crazy, but we, like I said, Tom, and I, I know you agree, we've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, let me just throw a hypothetical at you here. Why don't we do Julius Randle, Emmanuel okay, quickly? Stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> that makes up nothing to offer. Um, of course they don't. And he doesn't want to go there anyway, by yeah. the way. So. No, I know. I, it was a complete joke. He 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 already dubbed us once. I you know what I mean. So listen. He called I, you losers. Yeah. Well, how's he doing? Not great. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm in the same boat I was yesterday. You're not my friend. And <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> shit. Oh man. All right. Um. Are we done with the nets? Do you want to talk anything more about where Kyrie could land, or do we want to move on to your team? I think Kyrie's an inevitability. I think it's just a matter of time. Lakers or where? Lakers. Me too. I just I'm checking them. Yep, yep. Izod Center is still open. Um, in case. <laughs> what dates what are about, you here? But no, they, no. Stop, stop with the Izod Center. They could still share the Prudential Center with the Devils. Oh, you you want to be the Long Island Nets? What are you talking about? Oh, the Prudential Center? Where is that? Newark. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I got it confused with the Islanders and the uh, Na- the Nassau no, that's, Coliseum. Uh, you, that's you, no, that's USB now. That's USB yep, in Belmont. Yep, yep, Absolutely. Yeah, they could share that. You know that. what's really funny? Is I just want to point this out real fast. So I, this is the last joke I can make at you before you can literally throw anything back at me. I live in Texas, and I know more about the location. And you know the, what's hilarious? Of, of probably than you do. Probably at least, I'd say, one, one week out of every two months, I work in Long Island for a week straight, and I fucking pass that place too. Yeah, see that that's that's shameful and you and you really you should be embarrassed that I just schooled you on that. That you didn't know where the Nets played and you didn't know where where the Islanders played. So Yeah. Come on, buddy. Do I'm a better sorry. Job. I'm sorry. Um I'm I'm reading mixed um information here whether or not the Izod Center is closed. I'm reading that it's abandoned <laughs> Uh, it closed in 2015. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I think... I don't think... I mean, I know I no real maybe, team has played there. I don't know if there's been events, but the Nets, the Nets last year or two in New Jersey, they shared the Prudential Center mm. with the Devils. Okay. Well, we, they could always go back there, Sean. Honestly, at this point, they might as well, because it's like, hey, thanks for coming. You've had two chances at really doing things. Uh, 2012-2013, as I detailed the history lesson, I'm not going to do it again. And now, now, uh, you know what? Like, just go back to Forgotten, uh, because the only time the Nets are ever recognized is when they're an embarrassment, uh, which is once again the case. So, yeah, fun, fun times. Yeah, and it's and they're really they're not going to be that bad. It's just more this whole saga 
You know, like yeah. they're they're gonna make the playoffs next year. Whatever deal they get, they're gonna make the playoffs. But absolutely, dude. And that's the thing, right? Like that's the comfortability that net fans have. Is it's like, oh, give us credit. We're a playoff team. Yay. But it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you had a chance to win multiple championships and somehow you fucked it up. And that's the crazy thing. I'm just going to put this out there right now, and then we're going to talk about your Knicks. I will not, in any circumstance, in the 2022-2023 NBA season, make fun of the New York Knicks. And no matter what the Brooklyn Nets do, whether they finish in 8th, 7th, 6th, somehow 4th, 3rd, I will never make fun of the Knicks because of what the Nets just pissed away. So let's talk about Jalen Brunson, Tom. What are your thoughts? Last question. When do you think the next time your GM goes to sleep is? When do you think the next time his eyes close? <laughs> uh, what's today? Uh, <laughs> June 30th. This pod will most likely be listened to on July 1st. <laughs> July 5th. <laughs> wow. He doesn't even get the holiday, huh? No, God. Happy no. July. By the way, this is probably going to be the... Um, the last pod before the fourth. So happy, happy fourth of July, everybody. Happy fourth of July to you, Sean. Uh, <laughs> uh, are yeah, yes, sure. Jalen, Jalen sure. Brunson, Jalen Brunson. Um, I like the signing, and the, luckily we we did this a little bit later. It worked out because the numbers came out, and it was rumored to be 125. A little bit, a little bit better than that. Um, it is at 104, so 26 mil a year. Um, to be honest, I like it. I feel like Leon Rose and the Knicks are actually trying to build something here. Is this guy going to win you a chip? Is he even going to lead you to the second round of the NBA playoffs? No, but he's going to bring, in a lot of games last year, the Knicks, you know, just pounding it down into Randall just was not working, and, and they're going to have somebody that can actually initiate an offense and run a proper team, and, and I'm – I'm kind of excited for that. Tom, I think you should be really excited. And I'm so, so, so sick and goddamn tired of Nick fans complaining like, oh, well, he's not the needle mover. Like, you're not getting that player. We talked about it a little bit on Phil's Spot, by the way. Paul listened to just end the suffering with the crossover with our segment. It was really good. I was obviously wrong about the Kyrie KD segment, but it doesn't matter. Um, he's a great player, and he's going to help you a lot. And he's going to make other players, particularly Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, better, right? And I know you overpaid for him, but that's why you have the cap space. And the Knicks are in that scenario. They are not going to just go out and spend $145 million on a player. Go get Jalen Brunson. Let him be the reason why the rest of your team gets better. And then in a year from now, or maybe at the trade deadline, you add another piece. I think he's a really good start to what could be the next culture for the Knicks. I completely agree. Again, we're not going to get the needle mover, at least not this year. Uh, we trimmed a little fat. I didn't really want to see Alec Burks go. I liked him. Noel, I mean, but it's like 
you're happy about it, but it's also like, hey, you guys are the ones that fucked up and signed them to those deals in the first place. Um, but we're off of those. Kemba's gone. Um, I think they still have a little bit of cap space. I'm not a cap expert by any means, but I still think they can go out and make a few more moves. Um, they stockpile draft picks in case there's an unhappy star that actually fits with this team. Um, to go out and get, I really, really, really would have loved DeJounte Murray because I think he'd be a perfect complement to Jalen Brunson. But, I mean, what, it the Hawks gave up three unprotecteds? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a hefty price. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what they continue to do. And regardless of what they continue to do, we will have this net saga overshadowing us and we can just mess around in the darkness. Is it weird for you to say that? Like, I know the Nets have been one of the prohibitive favorites for the last few years, but even in their demise, they're kind of superseding the Knicks. Like, this is just there, legendary is it, shit. It, That's why they are. Of course they are, but like, you still are, are the second conversation as far as New York basketball, which is weird. It is weird. And. Enjoy it while it lasts because I'm going to tuck you. This. I'm going to tuck you right back into your bed of mediocrity come the season. <laughs> your bed of oh. unknowing mediocrity. Oh, there's a team out in Brooklyn. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Right. Maybe we'll, we'll head out there someday. Not, we'll take this. We'll take medi- the. <laughs> take the train. It's, the, it's not mediocrity, bro. It's literally like the the problem is is that they're not. They're not thought about unless they are polarizing and mm-hmm. probably sucking. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about the Knicks. Where they, it's like, they're yeah, just we'll, sucking. We'll let you have your moment in the sun, but we know that you. the only reason people follow you is to watch you lose. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know, man. I, it's back to Brunson. We've talked, we've talked the KD thing for 25, 30 minutes. It's, I don't want I, I don't want you to start crying again. Um, I'm happy with the trade. We're moving in the right direction. We didn't completely overpay. I think 125 million would have been like a massive way too much overpay because I don't even think Dallas can afford that and then you end up bidding against yourselves and you have a Amari Stoudemire situation. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I like the deal. I'm, I'm very happy with the player. And, again, he's not going to be next year's all-star starting point guard. But he's going to make the right play all the time. And he's going to give this – he's going to win games that they would have lost last year because they didn't have any continuity and they didn't have anybody to actually run a true offense. Did you have any worries when the reports came out that he was meeting with Miami and potentially Dallas was going to bring their full contingency? No, I I think um, maybe the Knicks came at him with a lower number and then that was spread out there and, and then they bumped it up. 104 to get it to 26 mil even a year. Maybe that extra cash came from that. But I also wasn't really worried about it because of the fact that if we didn't get him, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. It's a great, great pickup. I, I like it, but, you know, if we lost him, we lost him. I'm glad we got him, though. 
So what's your next move? I really hope that they don't re-sign Mitchell Robinson. I, I just hope that they don't throw him. That's literally, give me the money instead. <laughs> or let me manage the money. How about that? I, I, I think I could do a better job if that's what you're planning on doing. Just the, because, Hart, the Hartenstein signing was pretty nice. Two years, 16, I believe it was. Yeah, that's a perfect deal. That guy can hoop a little bit and, and you know, it, it costs $60 million at none, but it costs nothing in the NBA terms. Um, I hope you go out and you get I, – I would have loved if the Knicks poached Claxton from you guys. Oh, yeah. It would have been so perfect to not have to sign, you know, Mitchell Robinson. I think he's asking for like a $48 million deal. Um, um, I, I think we need a big man. And honestly, if they can figure out a way to get in on the DeAndre Ayton – Sweepstakes, whatever you want to call it, I, I I don't think we could use the word for that. The the DeAndre Ayton bidding, whatever, I I would love that. Yeah, I think as long as Durant is helping on Phoenix, he's going to be a Brooklyn net. But yeah, um, if that goes by the wayside, bit, I was a bit surprised that not only Clashton resigned on a two-year, twenty million dollar deal, so ten mil per year. But that Patty Mills, Patty Mills opted surprise. out and then came in for a two-year deal with the Nets. I agree. And that all this happened. So how were how surprised were you? Because I felt I that shocked. Patty Mills would be a great addition for the Knicks. Completely agree. And honestly, what that tells me is maybe Kevin Durant really wasn't talking to anybody. Because mm. I don't know if Patty Mills or Claxton take that deal if they have any idea what's going on in the brain of Kevin Durant. Well, and then they traded for Royce O'Neal with a first-round pick, and it was like, what? Like, do you have any idea what's actually going on? Is that – yeah, so, it's like, oh, what, him and KD, like, texted once or something? And and Royce yeah. O'Neal's what's going to put KD so off So it's like, you bring in Royce O'Neal, you re-sign Claxton, and you re-sign Mills. You have Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Technically, Durant and Irving are still on the contracts, but – Obviously, both of them are going to get moved. And here's and here's another thing. Drummond signed with the Bulls, so he's gone. Yeah. So it's like, what the hell is going on here, man? And here's another thing that I don't. I feel like just because the news was so shocking, nobody's talking about, and it will be talked about at some point. And I said it on Phillips Pod, and I think I said it here that I I just find it hard to believe that Kyrie could do anything crazier. But this is Kyrie Irving's fault. It is just unbelievable how many teams he's left in complete disarray. Do you want to make fun of me for also defending him three years ago where I said he finally picked his team Mm. and he's going to finally be safe? Because now is the floor for you. Well, Kyrie Irving was was the, the salesman that, that you thought finally was onto something and you just kept eating his bullshit. Oh, this time he's selling fucking, um, you know, Bibles that are limited edition. These are going to be worth money someday. This time he's selling this and you just eat that shit up. You ate it up. Oh, day crypto. He's, yeah. Now he's, now he's, now he created a, a new blockchain and, and by the way, real fast, the Lakers might want to get a crypto.com arena bid. Just, just maybe want to, want to rethink the naming rights for the arena, but yeah, I mean, 
you know, that was mentioned on Simmons Pod. There's 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 a lot sturdier businesses out there. Let's just say that. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm. If you want to talk financials, I'm almost. I I have not even checked the, my stocks in about. I'm six not ready. Months. I'm not ready for it. I'm just pointing out facts. Yeah, I I don't even look at the market anymore. I've transferred it all over to betting. Um, it's a much <laughs> sure thing. Open, boys. My the Substack is open. I have tweeted it out. Uh, for now, it's it's free. Um, so if you want to become a subscriber, we got some really good page views today. Um, but yeah, I'm putting bets out every single day. I got a three teamer in or or a three leg parlay in today. Um, Aaron Nola, eight strikeouts that hit, um, Jesus, what were the other two? This is embarrassing. Um, I didn't mean to open Pandora's box for you. Yeah, it was Aaron Nola, um, plus eight, eight strikeouts or more Seattle Mariners money line. And um, something else, I forgot what it was. But it, oh, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland Guardians to win, and two of those legs already hit. And it is sorry, I'm paying attention here. Bottom four, Seattle up two to one. Uh, so go. that's plus three twenty-five. Uh, my hit rate's been pretty good. Um, I'm bringing no, in. Oh, you've been crushing. Yeah, I've I've honestly been really good at gambling lately, and I just thought it was time to take it to the next level. Um, All right, but talk about Kyrie Irving to to L.A. because I I still think it's a possibility, but there has to be a lot of stipulations for it to happen, bro. Like it's not it's not as easy sounding as people make it out to be because Kyrie's up for thirty six point seven million. Russ just opted into a forty seven point six million. Mm-hmm. And Malik Monk is gone. So, is it him and Taylor Horton Tucker in the 2027 first? What is a dream third, Is it a third team? Like, here's the thing. I am okay with Russell Westbrook for a year because Durant's gone, right? So, expectations are no longer there. I don't mind if he comes in for a year and has 26 and 12. It doesn't matter to me because he's not part of the future. Honestly, if Durant was here and we were competing for a championship, sure. But that's no longer the realistic expectation. So what do you think? I think if they can work out the numbers, and I think they will because LeBron is the shadow GM for every team that he's been on. <laughs> yeah. And and you know that in the NBA, there's always chicanery and you could figure out the deal. If I were you, first of all, I think that is the deal. I wouldn't even, given the circumstances, which are very, very, very grim, we've talked about that to death, getting Russell Westbrook right now may be one of the best things that the Nets could do because coming off that year with how hard he plays, if you give him a team that's basically his because Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot and all that Westbrook wants to do is shoot, he is going to go off. Well, he also has shooters around him, which he didn't have in L.A. He'll have he, he uh, might if, average if, if trades aren't made. He'll have Harris and Curry. He might average honestly. If there's a line somewhere, I'll throw it up on the Substack again. Check the Twitter out at Sorry Sports. Substack will be there. I would bet yes. Russell Westbrook to average a triple double next year in a heartbeat. Oh, of course, it'd be stupid not to do that, and that's the thing, right? Like they'll say you're gonna have. You and Ben Simmons are going to kind of pseudo-run this entire offense. And then whatever you get for Durant, so let's say it's 
it's the Phoenix package, which is Aiden, Johnson, Bridges, three firsts and three futures. And then Kyrie, let's say, goes to L.A. Talk about a like, fall from grace for Aiden. <laughs> now, right? you're fighting, and, now you're fighting Russell Westbrook for wide open rebounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you go, okay, fine, great. I get, you know. Royce O'Neal and a couple other pieces, but at least I can kick it out to them when the shot clock's at two and I have confidence in them making it and Cam Thomas and whatever. It's like, yeah, congratulations. You're an eight or seven seed. Like, yep. I honestly think that's what the Nets kind of want. I think it's inevitable, don't you? I think... I think the only two places that you could trade Kyrie Irving to, and Kyrie Irving holds, although Kevin Durant, again, is one of the greatest players of all time, I feel like Kyrie Irving holds more cards just because of the fact that he's on a one-year deal right now. And he can just say, I'm not playing there. And Kyrie Irving, of all people, if he says he's not going to play, I believe it. That's one thing that I could believe out of the guy. So maybe it's Miami. Maybe it's Duncan Robinson... Um, and I don't know that and stuff and filler. No, I I think for a talent like Irving, you have to get back at least equal value player. Maybe Tyler Hero. Yeah. Would Miami do that? Well, that's the question, right? Like. I don't think Miami's because, going to jump at Kyrie, but at the same point, the Nets are going to be like, "Listen, we hold his rights." But We're here's here's the other thing away. that you're that you might not be thinking about at this moment. Yes, you do. You're right. On paper, Duncan Robinson for Kyrie Irving is the 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 talent scales tip in Kyrie Irving's. You know, he broke the scale, but. You kind of have to subtract a lot of talent points for all of the shenanigans, I guess you could say, off the court. Well, you're right. Windhorse reported today that Kyrie Irving's value is plummeting and plummeting, quote unquote. So, I don't. That's my point. How how little he has in terms of value, but I also am not going to prop up other players on teams. You know that they want to get rid of, right? So if you're trying to get rid of Duncan Robinson, him and Kyrie Irving, as low as each other's values might be, they're not equal. No, you're, you're right. You're going to have to say, like, okay, fine. We don't think Tyler Harrow is a two-way player. Great. Let's start with Tyler Harrow. And then, okay, fine. We have to make salaries match. We will give you... Uh, Vincent. Great. I like that. Done I like deal. that deal. Yeah. And Call I it in. The Nets would too. I, I don't think the Nets want to hold on to Kyrie at all. I think the Nets want to just give him away for as much as they can possibly get. And I do think teams will become desperate given free agency. Now, free agency is a little bit on freeze because we want to see where, Ky- or where Kevin Durant lands. As soon as Kevin Durant lands... You would agree, right? The floodgates will open. Yeah, I think players are waiting to see where he goes and and kind of just seeing where the chips fall as they may. 
And I think Kyrie, when Kevin Durant is gone, goes very, very quickly after that. Maybe even before it, just because I think the Kevin Durant deal is going to be much more extensive, given everything you've said. And then the floodgates are just going to open. It's pretty much just small signings right now outside of Brunson and teams re-upping. How quickly do you think this thing wholeheartedly resolves? Not only Durant, but Irving as well. Hmm. That's a good question. I I think this one, and I could be totally wrong, but with with the way I'm feeling it, I think this one may take like a week or so, maybe longer, just because it's such an extensive deal. What about you? You're the Nets fan, unfortunately. Oh, I was I was just gonna ask you: Is this the most important trade a general manager in your most recent recognition has made, or will have to make? I should say. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think the franchise is in the ballots here. Um, you know, because as much as I joke about. Uh, Brooklyn and whatnot, I mean, if you get this wrong, again, I talked about how the, I talked about the worst case scenario. And if you get this wrong and it ends up being that you're, I don't even know who you are, honestly. I mean, you might actually have to go back to Jersey (laughs) for real. Like they may have to relocate. So, Given the circumstances, the, he has to get this deal right. He's got a few cards in his deck to play because of the fact that Kevin Durant is going to fetch a massive haul and Kyrie Irving is still a talented player. But with that being said, yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of a more franchise-altering decision if it goes badly, ever. Honestly, and that's just because of the fact of what we laid out over the last basically hour of the Nets history lesson that you gave us earlier, where this isn't the first time that this has happened. Yeah, Jay Kidd, you know, asked out and that brought in the Devin Harris, you know, team and, and Vince Carter asked out and, and then the infamous twenty twelve. Well then obviously the infamous, right? But I agree with everything you said. and this I don't want to sound like a hopeless optimist because I kind of have to be, and you would do the same because mm-hmm. you know you you root for your team. But I do think this is the kind of moment where Sean Marks sign like he kind of shines, right? Like this is his moment to kind of cultivate the atmosphere that he wants for a team. He did that when the Nets had no prospects, nothing, no draft picks, uh, no free agency optimism, no, no culture, just just nothing, right? And I think this is where he kind of is selling to Joe Sy, like, listen, I know we fucked up, but the reason <laughs> we fucked up is because of Kyrie Irving. Like, we entrusted a guy that didn't want to be a team player. And he alienated our coach. He alienated our best player. He alienated our second best player. We had to trade him. So, like, 
this is our time to reboot and really get back to what we think quote unquote Nets culture is. And by the way, I think culture is a stupid fucking word. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cop out word for we stink and we're losers, but at least people think we're cool. (laughs) Would you agree? Totally. Totally. Um, Okay. So all I'm going to say is this. I think they're going to try to bring in players that fit that mold. I think Mark's pretty much signaled that after they lost to Boston. And I think every free agent, every trade target, everybody they bring in for Durant and Irving are going to be players that they envision being here for five, six, seven years. They fit the culture. Weirdly enough, exactly. (laughs) And weirdly enough, they think Ben Simmons is part of that. So who the fuck knows? This is just. Uh, do you have any last? Do you have any last thoughts? My only thought, and this just popped into my head, was you know who comes out looking not as bad is James Harden. Yeah, there you go. I knew you were gonna say that. Everybody it just popped into today. my head. Maybe this guy isn't as crazy and whatever as we oh, thought stop. he was. <laughs> stop it! Watch that Kings game. And tell me. He had to get the hell out of there, and he did what he had to do. Oh, <laughs> sure. He had to put up two points and four rebounds and three assists in 38 minutes. Well, you're a, you're a Seinfeld guy. It's kind of like Costanza. Like, what do I have to do to get fired? Okay. It's not Costanza driving around <laughs> with the championship trophies in the back of the car skidding up against the pavement. Like, come on, man. Like, he quit on two teams in the span of 13 months. Yeah, well, he also got his And by the way, good for him. He's in a much better situation. Well, we think that, Tom. We think that. (laughs) Joel Embiid is his teammate. Who do the Nets have? Do you, okay. Do you trust that Joel Embiid will be healthy for a full season? I do. I, I, I do you think... trust that James Harden is going to play like he did in Houston or his early part in Brooklyn? No, sure but I think play all that great. I still think situation wise, <laughs> I'm going to be a Sixers fan over a Nets fan right now. Oh, without a doubt. That's all you I'm saying. You haven't seen what the Nets got for Durant and you haven't seen what the Nets got for Irving. Now is, they'll, never, gonna be, they'll never they'll never get a player that it ain't gonna rivals. be Joel Embiid. I can exactly. Tell you that. They'll never get a player that rivals Joel Embiid. And they probably won't even get a player that even at his worst rivals James Harden. But can the collective be competitive and and give them a fit? Because we see what James Harden does when he's given a fit. It's not a lot of fun. If you're a James Harden, all right. Listen, all right. I have to cut myself into this time. I ha- I, ha- I hear you, man, and and we've done 57 minutes on it. You've you've talked yourself through it. I hope you feel a little bit better. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be a long summer, man. It's gonna be a long summer, but spring ball starting. Football, Alabama. <laughs> Roll Tide, baby. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Arch maybe, Manning to Texas, by the way. Yeah, Texas is back. Um, I like the guy that's Quinn going Ewers to Tennessee to better. Arch Manning? What? Wow. Quinn Ewers to Arch Manning. Quinn yeah. Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback this year. Mm, well, I like the guy that's going to Tennessee better. I watched a little bit of tape. I'm trying to get ready for my college football takes. I love it. Yeah, so let's talk Yankees. NBA's done for now. Um, the never-ending offseason of the NBA. They they have taken the NFL spot. They are truly a 12-month sport now. It's incredible. Um, Mets and Yankees, we're going to go around the league, but Sean's already given too much today. Um, yeah. So let's talk Mets Yankees. I mean, honestly, we could nix we could nix the live golf. Talk briefly about the U.S. Open. I have I have set out a plan to fix the PGA Tour, but we can talk about that on another day because that's a lengthy one. Um, no, fuck it, give it. All right, well, let's talk Mets Yankees first. Um, Yankees lost to Houston today oh fuck oakland just tied it up at 4-4 are you shitting me um sorry <laughs> it's unfucking believable the the team that has, scores the lowest amount of runs in the league of course um the yankees lost to houston today but they are coming off of a sweep of oakland um and they just keep rolling but sean do you think they're showing a few chinks in the armor i mean they're 56 and 21 yeah, what really can you uh, say? The, chink, the chinks in the armor are, are obviously Gallo and Hicks, and we've known this. But Wesso, Wesso Hicks, I, I, he's he's played well lately, including that game-tying home run last week. What a moment. Uh, it's, it's Gallo. But every indication is, is that he's going to play less and that the Yankees are going to go out and acquire an outfielder. They're probably going to go out and acquire a starting pitcher. And potentially another reliever with Chapman even coming back and Loazga about probably post All Star break. Like this team is killing it, dude. And I could yep. go chapter and verse into why they're so good and so different than the last few years. But we've kind of talked about it already. So what do you think? I'm in complete agreement with you. No chinks in the armor for me. It was just a question to throw it out there to kind of be a antagonist, I guess. But uh, I'm in complete agreement. I think. Moves need to and will be made at the trade deadline because this team is just too good to have Joey Gallo playing the amount that he's playing. I don't think he will. I think they're going to go out there and get a replacement. When we get closer to the trade deadline, I will name my wish list. As you know, my wish list comes true. Look who's playing first base. Um, Uh And that's pretty much it. This team is incredibly fun to watch. Tough game to watch in Houston today. But if the home run ball is not going for them... Sometimes it's a little tough, and they're gonna—they're not gonna win every game. That's it. Listen, they—they they were completely outplayed by Houston, and they still somehow split because of the walk-offs. Now this weekend they play Cleveland for three. You want two, three at least. Then they're at Pittsburgh. You want to take both of those, and then they're at Boston for four. You want to split simply because this team is so far ahead. You don't need crazy expectations. You just need to maintain good baseball, and I think that's what they're doing. Let's talk about the New York Metropolitans. Your New York Metropolitans. This team is starting to show a few chinks in the armor. Yes. They are starting because Atlanta 
just took what? Two or three from the Phillies. They won today. Aaron Nola, A plus strikeouts, cash, no big deal. Knock on wood <laughs> that um that Seattle covers. With that being said, only three and a half games out. Atlanta got off to a very cold start. They're starting to turn it around. Okunya just came back. Uh, I think he started yesterday or today with his first game being back after another little injury. Um, I mean, the Mets, it's, for me, it's this lineup is starting to fall apart towards the end. And more importantly, it's the pitching. Bassett. Love the signing. You know I did. I still love him as a pitcher. But to run him out there as your ace is really, really difficult. And then the bullpen has really started to show, uh, I don't know, it started to fall apart a little bit. I mean, Seth Lugo's having a terrible year as for one guy. No, no he is. And Adovino hasn't done his job. No. Yeah, I think with Trevor May out, you know, the – that's a deficiency that's clearly showing, right? And then the struggling pitching just isn't the same when you don't have DeGrom and, yeah. and the best. Uh, so it's, it's tough to replicate the best two pitchers in baseball. It really is. So I, I don't hold a lot against them. I don't know how no. you feel. I know we talk about this every, every time we bring up baseball. This just isn't last year's team. I think they're going to be fine. Is I that think so a too. runaway division team? No, they're gonna know. be they're gonna be fighting till the la- tooth and nail till the till the end, I think, because Atlanta's really starting to heat up. Um, but you know what, Cohen already said it like ten times over. They're gonna be buyers at the deadline, and this team after the trade deadline is going to be better. Of course, and and bullpen. I mean, to me, Tom, I'm sure you're gonna agree. That's the area that they need the most help in. No doubt. Outside of Diaz, who finally has figured it out in New York. I mean, Tommy Hunter's been okay watching him pitch. But aside from that, and then when you go out and get a starter, though, you can slide Peterson, who's been pretty good as a starter, or um, one of the other guys, McGill, back into the pen, and that's going to share it up as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about this, my team. Um <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Are they gonna Are they gonna be the New York Yankees and knock on wood again? Run away with the division? They're up twelve and a half games on Toronto and Boston right now. No, but they're gonna be in the playoffs. Mets fans can rest easy about that. I couldn't have said it any better. I totally agree with you. I think that the only reason you really worry is because you're predis, you know. You're a Mets fan. as a Met fan to, to understand that, especially as recently as last year, that she could hit the fan. But I think you're fine, and your management's a lot better. The, the personnel is better, and you have the resources to go out there and make legitimate additions. And what I'm fascinated by, Tom, is in the next five, six weeks, is who makes the more significant additions? Because I think the Mets are probably more so in need than the Yankees are. But I also think Cashman and Steinbrenner recognize the fact that they have something really special going on and they don't want to blow it, specifically meaning you can't give Joey Gallo playoff at bats. No. I think the Yankees, I think the Mets are going to make more bullpen moves so people aren't going to know of the players more, and the Yankees are going to make more of a splash, if you will, going out and getting a position player and possibly a starter. 
agree with you 100%. I like Frankie Montas for both. Yeah, uh, every indication says that the Mets like Montas the most and that the Yankees like Castillo of the Reds the most. Well, yes, they've already made the phone calls about him, and he's a stud. I would, I would love that. And here's the thing. We're already seeing Tyone and Cortez have not had the best of starts lately. So starting to slow down. They're getting a little bit more tired, and they're starting to slow down. And Severino, although he's pitched great, is is on an innings, you know, at least a watch. I'll call it a watch. Not a limit, but they don't want to overdo him, specifically when they need him in the playoffs. So, listen, this is why you have prospects, right? 100%. 100%. all right, you ready to talk a little golf? We haven't spoken since the U.S. Open. No, we haven't. I, I kind of want you to take over here because you have a take that I really want to hear, and I think the listeners do too. All right, so we'll talk. We'll talk traditional golf, I guess. I mean, even though a major isn't part of the PGA, U.S. Open. Um, I hope everybody listened to the podcast before uh, the final round and cashed out that nice Zalatoris bet I had in there. Um, he ended up not winning. Matthew Fitzpatrick won. A little bit of luck. A lot of great play. He's not as ugly as I claimed he was. I saw a little bit more camera time. <laughs> he doesn't have to go to live. He's a gamer Such a now. Bad guy. Um, when the braces come off, you're judging I, people's looks. Like, come on. When the man. braces come off, I think he's gonna have a glow up. I really do. <laughs> Supermodel watch. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Everybody loves an Irish guy. I think he's Irish. Whatever. Scottish. You don't say that about me, by the way. You, you you disparage me at any point you get. Yeah, but that's because I know All you. Right. Um, nice. <laughs> um, I was so, a real confident. Thank you. An incredible U.S. Open, uh, and uh, apparently it was a great venue. So we're on to the Open Championship. I've got a couple of days, I think like two weeks-ish, to get some bets together, so we'll be hitting that heavy. Um Back to the live golf. Um, And what I'm trying to explain to people is like, it's different than, you know, oh, people are like, oh, well, people form other leagues all the time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, but every other league that has been started in other sports is a business, right? The reason why the XFL doesn't take off or the reason why, you know, the AAFL doesn't take off or whatever Whatever. Fo- recently, it seems like football leagues have been the ones that have been tried to be tried to be upstart. Or the reason why nobody's signing with the New Zealand Breakers is because they're a business. It's bad for business if you sign one player to four hundred million dollars or whatever. The, the The Saudi government does not care if they make a red cent on this. They're doing it. To sports wash, as they call it. So yeah, they're gonna lose a lot of money, but they don't care. That's why the money is so obscene. Um, we lost Brooks. Brooks, you know, I'm 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 struggling with it, Sean. I really am because he's still gonna play the majors, and you know he's a major major. You know he's a big member in my foursome, and I I'm really um I haven't adjusted it yet. I'm I'm struggling with it to be honest with you. Um. So we're going to have to table that. I know I, I'm going to have a presser for that. I think I'm going to ha- I'm going to go on like Twitter live or whatever. It's totally appropriate by the way. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a presser for that. Um the rest of my top top 4, top 5 Tony, uh Max Homa and 
John Rahm have all pledged their allegiance to the PGA Tour, but so did Brooks. So who the hell knows if 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 Live Golf throws 150 million at one of these other two guys? You never know. Um, so here's my plan to save the PGA Tour. Jay Monahan, Commissioner of the PGA. I hope you're listening. So first of all, the PGA season by players, people, whatever, is entirely too long. I mean, most people that watch golf probably think the PGA Tour season starts just before you know, the Masters and ends just after the Open, and they just play those tournaments in between. No, no, no. It literally almost goes the entire year, and these golfers are expected to play in a majority of the events. That's a lot, okay? Not to mention... It's a lot because of the fact that they don't, they're, on, they're not on guaranteed contracts and they're paying for all this stuff and blah, 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 whatever. Who cares? They're, they're making a lot of money, so I don't really feel that bad. But I, I empathize with the fact that you could play a lot less golf and, and make a guaranteed money over at Live Golf. So first off, we're going to cut the PGA Tour season in half. We're going to start it up in January just so they can get ready for the Masters and we're going to end it in July, so seven months. Sorry, I couldn't get it to six with the with the open. I wish I could, but I couldn't get it to six with the open. We're gonna cut the season in half right there. Okay. Next thing we do is we're gonna partner with the PGL. Okay. Look it up. Literally almost every single idea that Live Golf has was stolen from the PGL, which is owned by like some big hedge fund guy, I, I don't know, or, or a corporate lawyer, I don't know, whatever. What we're going to do is, that's when the Corn Ferry Tour is going to be played, and what we're going to have is the top 40 players in uh, on at the end of the year in the FedEx Cup standing on the PGA Tour are going to be entered in a draft for the PGL. 5-4, by the way. 5-4 Mariners. We're back. They're going to be entered in a draft into the PGL. Okay? There's going to be 10 teams. Teams of four. Right? No cut events. You want to do your bullshit shotgun starts. Nobody gets a bad draw. Fine. You can do all that. We're going to have owners. Each team. We're, first of all, we're going to come up with better names and better logos. We're going to have owners. It's going to start off with 10 teams. Then if another ownership group wants to buy into it, you can pay... I don't know, $20 million and you can own a team, whatever. Every year, the top 40 are going to go into a pool. They're going to either select captains or the owners or have GMs run it just like the Yankees or the Nets or whatever as a franchise. They'll have GMs and they're going to sign these guys to contracts, one-year contracts for the year, and they're going to play a group of events at venues that are willing to pay a lot of money. The broadcasters will be in. We're going to play a few events and they're going to have guaranteed contracts, not to mention much bigger purses because it's a lot less events and the top 40 players in the world are playing it. So that's solved with that. Trades will be available, whatever you want to call it, whatever. Every year, the top 40 players are entered into a pool and they are to get drafted, right? Now, could you could you include a salary cap? Maybe the top forty players are just all okay, become so free agents. That was going to be my question: Is do you have a cap? I don't think you. 
Another thing you could do, Sean, and I was thinking about this. I drive a lot for work to get to jobs, and I, and I have a lot of time in the car, and I, I I'm just days. It's, I hated them. it's churning. You know what I mean? Like one job yeah. to here is an hour, whatever. Um, you could do it so that it's a soft cap league, kind of like the NBA. Look at the Warriors; uh-huh. they're a three hundred million dollars into the luxury tax, and you could have it so that. Let's say your top four players in the world are Rory, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and Scotty Scheffler. I don't know what the actual top four is, but we'll pretend that because those are all names people know. If you if this owner is like, spend, 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 I want to win this championship or whatever, fine. Go into the luxury tax and sign all of those guys to a blank check, whatever, and then less, let the rest of the teams run it out. You could do it that way or you could have a draft. I don't care. These players are getting guaranteed contracts. They're getting big money. Which There's way ownership. would you have it? I would have it with the with the soft cap free agency. Okay. Just do what we want every league to do, which basically the NBA is already doing <laughs> against its own will. Um, yeah. Where you know you're playing in a different set of laundry every year, right? And so that would run from mid July August through December. Events would be. Once a month, once once a month. If you do it for six months, that's six events. Maybe you tuck in two more events there. You're at live. You're at live golf's eight events, eight initial events. Okay, how are we so far? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Are you surprised that this is this genius of a business plan? No, I mean, I, I, I've been I've been interested to hear your take because they don't seem to have a comprehensive model other than we're going to take the best players away from the PGA. And we're going to play this, you know, fifty-four, you know, hole. Well, yeah, they don't have a plan, and that's and that's kind of what I'm giving them. The whole thing is you can you can take the best players, but now what are you going to do? So this is why I was interested to hear your plan. This is why our listeners were excited to hear your plan. Yeah, so far so good to me. So as for player number forty-one through whomever, that's where the corn fairy tour. As well as the DP World Tour become a much more important entity to the PGA as well as the DP, just a much more important entity in general because all those players get put into those fields, those seasons align with the PGL and all those players can fight for eligibility to majors, money, obviously. Their PGA well, tour card, right? Yes, of course. Their PGA tour card, and you are going to have venues like the Australian Open. Apparently, it's one of the greatest events because it's a gorgeous course, and they just do a really good job down there. Nobody ever goes there because it's in the middle. Of the, they want a week off, and Australia is really fucking far away. You play it as a corn fairy tour event or a DP world tour event. And that's where the rest of these players in the world, there's plenty of room for them to get into these events. If you're playing one every single week and the people that are hungry for golf can actually watch all this golf. Right. And yes, the purses will be slimmer because given the, and they will drop down, but everybody's fighting for that top 40. It's a drive to survive. I don't want to sound like a suck up, but I think you just say golf. <laughs> Thank and, you. and honestly, I was excited for this take, and I was ready to kind of tear you apart because I've been listening to the Tony Kornheiser podcast, and he's had Steve Sands of the Golf Channel on. He's had uh, Chuck Culpepper on, who covered 
the most recent, uh, the, the Travelers, and I'm just like, I'm ready to just hear what Tom has to say. I think it's brilliant. And, and here's the thing, like, as, as somebody casual like me, right? Like, casual, I but getting know into it. What the incentivization is as far as, okay, what the hell are you doing if you joined Lyft? And what the hell are you doing if you're staying in the PGA? Other than potentially making a, you know, a stand for, you know, for virtue or whatever the hell. Like, I don't know. But the point is, is like, I want to see the best golf that I possibly can in a competitive nature. I think you just did a really great job detailing where we could possibly see that. Thank you. I appreciate that. This the PGA Tour isn't season is entirely too long. You can split it in half, create create revenue in so I've many different ways. I've always thought that, by the way. Yeah, and people don't realize it. Like if you put the golf channel on in November, there's going to be an event on. Of course, and I'm like, but this doesn't have any merit on anything. Well, right? it like, does I mean, because. It does, it does for eligibility and care. it's not a major. No, it's no, no, for for the fan, no. Major, so I'm like, I don't really care. No, and it makes it incredibly hard to gamble on because you don't know who's playing, you don't know who's <laughs> hot. It's like you don't bet on fall golf. It's just meanwhile you're in week twelve of the NFL season, and it's it's a rough one for you. Yeah, no doubt, and I just think this is this is honestly the best. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think this is the best plan I've heard to save the PGA Tour. And the saddest part is, aside from increasing the purses, doing a few more no cut events, and whatever the PGA has put out, making it easier for college and top amateurs to get into the. Um, that's another thing that came down this week to get into the PGA and get their cards. The PJs sat on their hands, not to mention all the shit that they put out. They could have done six months ago and possibly put all this to bed. And you know what? Yeah, guy, certain guys would have gone to live golf no matter what because they're getting a fat check, and I get that. But I don't know. Brooks clearly was on the fence for a while, and then they threw that $150 million bag at him. And he wasn't right. on the fence anymore. Maybe if you put these things out a couple of weeks earlier, a couple of months earlier, I mean, fuck, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA, was at Brooks' wedding. Clearly they have a relationship, but then it got to the point where Brooks was like, this is too much money to pass up. Yeah, and I'd like to shit on you, but I can't, because here's the reason why you're right, is it brings back you know incentive for players to stay on the PGA. And I think the thing about the PGA that's been from my vantage point, the most upsetting thing is they just figure that players are going to want to stay with them, even though their purses aren't as valuable and, you know, you're you're just not going to have the lucrative opportunities that you would that you would with live, right? So, yeah, and to me it's they, just... And they have the prestige. So under yes. your circumstances, they're going to say, well, we have to bring these players back. Because we're going to incentivize this, that, and the third, whereas the lib is going to say, oh, shit, that's what we were offering, but now the PGA is bringing them back, and they have the ethical thing now cleared up, and they could possibly make the money back under you know the stipulations that you presented. Yes, that's absolutely what they need to do. My fear is, is that the PGA is a little too much like baseball. I think they're mm-hmm. a little too set in their ways. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, 
you can build a business in order to generate this revenue because I'm sure there's a bunch of billionaire people that like golf that would love to own a team with four of the top players on it. You know what I mean? Like people throw money at a lot dumber things. And if you can't generate the money from sponsorships and television deals, and I get that you're trying to run a business here. You got, you know, P and L's and you got, you got, you, you got to balance your books and I get that, but there's a way where you can generate revenue without having to, to, you know, take it from a, from a very, very corrupt government that is, is a bunch of bad people. There is a way to do it. I was just going to ask you, what's the main reason why these golfers, and I say this, you know, completely hypothetically, because you know the answer. Why do they accept going to the live tour instead of staying in the PGA? It's, you know, it's the money. Exactly. That's what I said hypothetically. So we know this answer. It's, it's, it's given. So why doesn't the PGA do a better job of recognizing we're hosing our best players, especially our young players, and we need to increase our purses and we need to increase the incentive to stay with it's us not... and win tournaments that aren't even majors, Tom. Like, but... To me, I want to know what I'm watching and why it matters. But that's why I think, like, and I don't know if this will ever happen, but my business plan would work, is one, the PGL already exists. If you right. just give them the green light and partner with them, they're off and running. Okay, so it's not to. something they, you have they to create. Don't want any part of I know, and that's with another association. It's like the old National League, 150 years ago, mm-hmm. with the American League. They're like, no, we're we're the preeminent league. Like you and, can you can fuck off. And not to mention, you're generating for the top players in the world who are obviously what matters, guaranteed income with that second season of PGL where they can play less golf and make more money. You're also by cutting down the amount of events to let's just say it the more important events that people actually care about, like the Travelers Championship from last weekend that every single player loves and a lot of the big players playing it if you just keep events like that that are more important or the genesis or you know the big events that actually matter outside of the majors guess what if you have less events and your market isn't so oversaturated more people will watch those events thus the t the tell the providers whoever television streaming whatever will pay you more money for that and you will be able to increase your purse with addition by subtraction so there I you think go. You outlined a very, very good scenario where it was, you know, the the tournament season is so long where after majors are well over and done with and you're playing into November. I have no idea what you're playing for. I mean, Sean, so a casual my, my incentive is not to watch the Sunday of this tournament. Whereas in June I'm much more incentivized yeah. to watch this tournament because I want to see what you're going to do in the major. Of course. Because you're the open that's going to be played in three weeks. As a casual golfer, Sean, your season is going to run from April to the end of July. Then uh-huh. you're not watching golf, and I don't blame you at all, until next April, right? Yeah. I, I don't really care, Tom, as a casual fan. Until like probably the week or two before the Masters where I start understanding what the field's going to be. Yeah, I completely agree. But I'll tell you what, 
You might, on a football Sunday, on your second screen or whatever, you may watch a team event that, I don't know, all the top 40 players in the world are playing in. Oh, I'll watch Vikings Packers if the Packers are eleven and two and the Vikings are five and five and nine. Yes, but I'm saying like you will watch on your second screen, you would watch a PGL event if it's Justin Thomas and you name another player and blah 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 and your boy Scotty Scheffler versus Sorry. another top forty player. And they're playing for big money, and they, you know, they can do all the whatever they want to do and make it. Fun. I want to know what I want to know what they're playing for. I'm not going to just watch them because it's good competition. I want to know what they're playing for. I agree, and there needs to be other incentives. But I'm in the I'm in the very, very, very beta phase of my business plan. I haven't even reached out yet. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to work with some lawyers. I don't know if there's a trademark or a copyright to a to ip to to just you know pure genius but i'm hoping that there is um but i i think we've got to start here i do too no i i was interested to hear how you're gonna lay all this out and it, it honestly sounds really good to me like just speaking as somebody who is not super invested in the longevity of of the entire thing. Like I think as somebody who really cares about it, you thought this out and it sounds really good to me. And I guess it's the, it goes back to the old adage. If you have two quarterbacks, you do, you really have a quarterback. If you have two major golf leagues, do you really have a golf league when half of the great players are playing in one place and the other half are playing in the other, the competition's lowered. And that's why the antitrust laws are so heavy in some of these other sports. Well, doesn't this remind you of the old USFL where Herschel Walker and Doug Flutie and and uh, what's his name, uh, Jim Kelly was was playing for you know the Houston Gamblers and it was like we're not, we don't want to have to be drafted and play for these shit NFL teams. We'll play for the USFL teams. But then eventually the league folded and there was no spring football and eventually. But here's- but the whole point of that was, why did the league fold? Because it's a business and they didn't have any money. Right. This Saudi golf thing is here to stay. But they not. But they might not have the longevity as far as, like, you hear somebody like, you know, Nick Faldo, who, who was like, I'm never going to announce. And I, even, and he says it, you know, as if we have to take his word for it but said he would never play for that tournament because there was no incentive. He looked at it as a gimmick. He didn't look at it as competition. How Completely. many players are going to eventually look at it as, okay, I got my money, but this isn't competition. This is kind of like showing up to the range or showing up to a random course and just deciding to play. I agree. I, I agree with you, but if you're the PGA can you really afford to take that chance and say, oh, how no. many players are are going to do this? Well, I'm just the talking, proof is in I'm the I'm just play. talking out extemporaneously. I, I yeah. agree with you. You can't take that risk if you're the PGA. No, but and action should have been have taken. to people who are, who are ambassadors for your league. Action should have been taken, you know, when there was first whispers of this about 18 months ago, if I'm uh, my dates might be wrong, but there, you know, when they were first started talking about this, they weren't. And now it's like code red. We got to get Tom on the phone. 
because this guy <laughs> is a genius. He no, saved you, golf. No, you you really you really thought this out, and I think you did an amazing job of detailing the entire scenario. And I think it should easily be thought out. But Tom, my question to you is: Does the PGA have any kind of do they have any kind of mindset of let's be flexible here? Because to me, they just seem even more hard-headed than Manfred and the MLB. Well, I mean, from everything they've shown, no, absolutely not. And and no problems are going to get solved. And players, young players especially, which I think are the most important because at some point all these guys are going to retire, are going to continue to leave. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that they have to start recognizing is you can treat this as a minor league sport or a gimmick or whatever the hell you want to call it, but the more and more tournaments that are outside of the majors that your best players are not participating in, that's eventually going to kill ratings, which is going to kill, which is going to kill your revenue. And mm-hmm. you better step it up and figure out. Take the Tom Pacino model. Let's figure out a way to make this work because I don't think these players really give a shit. I think they will want to make their money and if they get to play 18 less holes and get to do, even if it's a shotgun tournament, then they're going to do it. I I couldn't agree more. And just to cap that off, 1%. Just give me 1% of all revenue and, and it's yours. I, I think you deserve it, my man. <laughs> well, thank you, man. If you had a little bit more standing legally, I'd, I'd be even happier, but I just appreciate you saying that. Listen, like I said, I want to shit on you. I couldn't. You you detailed it all out. made a lot of sense to me as somebody who's not super invested. Hopefully the people that are super invested listen to this podcast. I hope so, too. All right, Sean. We're an hour and 30 in. We got one more important thing to talk about, and then you got to get to bed. It is 11 o'clock your time. Um we got to talk about the country, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, th- I think I think we kind of have to. And I feel like we've we've had this, uh, not exactly this chat, uh, but similar chats. And I think I actually um, mentioned, not necessarily Roe versus Wade, but abortion in general um, in our gun speech. And I think that's pretty fitting at this point, huh? Oh, it's incredibly fitting. Um, yeah, we're almost a week removed, I guess, when this podcast goes up and everybody starts listening. It'll be a week to the day. Uh, it was last Friday. Um, yeah, I was in a bad mood, you know, that entire day, as I'm sure you were and, and Michaela and just anybody that cares. Um, you know, uh, to me, it... it, I, it it's an ideology. It's not a actual action upon. We care about these children being born because if you did, there would be a better course of action for, you know, maternal health. And there would be a better course of action for making sure that they got the proper amount of time off after giving birth. And there would be a proper allocation of resources for, uh, you know, children, child development. And if they're born with any kind of, predisposition that they were properly compensated as were the parents and obviously we know that's not the case and, uh, 
it's just pro the child, the, ch- the child being born. It's not pro child. It's not pro life. It's pro life is once the child's born, they're treated like everybody else. Which is, if you're at any sort of disadvantage, you're going to fall through the, through Crack. the cracks, <laughs> and and that really sucks. Um, and it really sucks, especially for the women that hey, listen, you know. I, I'm not going to go too long because I know you want to give your thoughts too. But Tom, like everybody makes mistakes, right? And you, you use contraceptives, you are on a pill, you take the right precautions, and and you could still potentially end up, um, you know, being pregnant. I remember an ex-girlfriend of mine having a scare, and and it being a whole deal where it's like, oh my god, what are we going to do? And it didn't end up being a thing, but you 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 absolutely are concerning yourself with the thought of what's going to happen here. And to know that they're not protected, to know that they're no longer safe, to know that they're going to be judged, to know that they're not going to have the resources, you know, at their disposal to make sure that they're a healthy, successful person. Uh, it's disheartening. It's, um, defeating. Once again, I use that word and it just makes me feel like, I'm not proud to be an American this 4th of July, and I'm sure you're going to echo everything, so go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you put that amazingly, and, and there's really not much else to say. It's we've uh, America feels like we've gone tremendously back in time. Um, and, you know... It, it's crazy because it feels like the people that are... So, the that side of the aisle, and I'm right down the middle. I'm registered as an independent. I'll say it on the pod. Don't care. It seems like that side of the aisle is so vehemently against the Middle East and all these things, but it's between the guns and the lack of respect and treating as an equal of women, I'm starting to feel more and more like the Middle East, my friend. Um, And that's... That's just, I mean, America, you could say it's the land of the free, but is it really? No. Um, as a white male in his 20s, I guess I, I guess I can say that. Um, but a lot of people can't say the same. And I don't think that's fair because I think a basic human right is just that everybody deserves a fair shake. Um, and that'll never happen, but there are certain things that should be put in place where everybody does and... You know, to put it honestly, bluntly, uh, a woman that gets pregnant because of rape should not have to have her child. How about that? That's that's all I have to say. And, and the fact that that is even a question, or even even in the conversation, and now the fact that she can't that she has to, you know, if it's, if she's a person that isn't doesn't have any money or anything, can't go to a state that still has normal human being laws that she has to has that child and then that child's going to grow up with a terrible life and you already outlined all that it's just unbelievable and honestly i said it on i don't know three pods ago or whatever the people making these decisions can't most of them a, a vast majority of them cannot bear a child thus they should not be able to even make that decision or even think about it and that's what's really terrible about this, um, and yeah, a, there isn't there isn't much uh, 
pride to be had for this Tom, country. Tom, right it's, a, it's a it's a safety issue. Uh, it's absolutely it's, it, it's it's safety of a of a human being's body of a of a woman's body being able to make the decision on whether they want to preserve life and 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 for all these pro life people, which again I, I detailed in my last statement, so I'm not going to rehash it over and over again to sound redundant, like, you're not pro-life, you're, you're pro-ideology, this child is likely not going to be born with the advantages that you want it to, and yep. for every mother that voluntarily chooses to have a child, like, congratulations, you want to raise that child, you want to, you know, be maternal. You want to make sure they grow up in the kind of idealistic world you you've grown up with, or that you theorize, right? That, like you have a great mother. I have a great mother. Like I might disagree with her at times about certain things, but I can't disagree with the fact that I've had a great advantage of having a mom that wanted me, and a mom that could afford me, and then a mom that would do anything for me at any time because she could and chose to have me. There's, there's a lot of women that don't possess that scenario, man. Yeah. They just don't. And I'm not trying to be emotional and I'm not trying to get choked up. Like it just, what the hell is wrong with you? If you challenge that, it's not a baby being born in a great situation. It's not a baby being born with the opportunity to succeed in the world that you ideologize, you know, that, that this child will have. You had a child. Congratulations. Raise it. Embrace it. Put it through the rigors. Let it have its ups and downs. Let it live its life. Let it mature to the way in which you envision it maturing but do not suppress another person for having the right and the choice and the ability to have a safe natural cleansing of a decision that might not have been theirs or a mistake that unfortunately was made because we're all people that make mistakes and don't want to have a child that grows up in an orphanage or grows up in a scenario that they can't afford basic medicine or food or a healthy place to live or a parent that is not capable of raising it. Like, come the fuck on. Can we just be rational, reasonable adults and human beings for one goddamn minute? This is not about a political affiliation, Tom. No. This is about what's right and wrong. This is about choosing a person's health. You're pro-life? Choose the woman's life. Choose this adult's life that wants to have the ability for safe and proper care to make up for a potential wrongdoing or a victim or being a victim of somebody's terrible action. Choose that. Not just some stupid ideology that you subscribe that you subscribe to because you believe that every child is born with the same advantage. Because they're not. 
And I'm sorry to rant. I know you have plenty to say, but I'm so fucking sick and tired of it because it doesn't make sense. And it's not fair. And it's not right. And it just is not a humanistic, decent way to look at it. So you're pro-life? How about the life that's already fucking living? Huh? Are you pro that? Of course. So fucking stick with it. And if you're not, that child that's being brought up is going to be put in the same goddamn situation that that person is. Are you pro-life then? No. Now they're an inconvenience. So fucking get over it. It's un- it's unbelievable to me, man. I'm sorry that I went on that tangent. It's just insane. That's okay, man. Um, those are some real words, and I there's not much else to say. It's just, you know, I thought this country was started, you know, on separation of churches and state and uh, freedom of belief and, you know, freedom. <laughs> but I guess I was wrong. And, you know. How do you feel? Like, you're with Michaela, and she's a nurse, for God's sake. Like, what are your conversations like? I mean, nurses in states like yours are being put in incredibly terrible positions where they have to call lawyers and whatnot because this, pre- you know, it's, I, I'm, I feel terrible and there's really nothing I could do about it. And as a person who is, you know, soon to be, well, what are your conversations like? Like, did she come home defeated? Do you come home defeated? Well, like, she's been, Michaela's guys- a cancer nurse. So unfortunately she comes defeated, uh, pretty, <laughs> Pretty frequently, but that's a story for another day. And she's also sure. been a nurse in Manhattan through COVID. But, um, but just in this unique scenario, like, yes, does she uh, come home and just be like, do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? Like, of course, what, we've talked about it. And, you know, what? we're also, you know, pretty soon to be engaged, probably. Nothing set in stone. Um, Congrats, if it is. It's not, but you'll know when it is. But it's not yet, but it's coming down the pike. And it's like, We've had those conversations where it's like, what happens if this happened to us? And you know what? If, if God forbid we did, um, potentially, you know, she got pregnant or whatever. Luckily for us, we're both in a position where we could afford a kid, but there's a lot of people out there that couldn't. And a few years ago, I sure as shit wasn't mature enough to have a kid. Lord knows if I even am now and I couldn't afford it and I wouldn't know what to do. If you were to have one, wouldn't you both be like, we want it? Yes, and that's okay. But, there you go. But that, <laughs> but but that's my right, right? It's her. It's, it's, it's her it's, right it's, more than even mine. It ain't my body. No, but it's it's a conscious decision made by both of you. Yeah, it's not. No, and I get what you're leading on here, and nobody's forcing us to. If we were vehemently against it, nobody's forcing us. To where, and then, and then the thing is, is that once that baby's born, like you said, because you're so pro-life, then it gets put into a system where it's, it's fucked, because all the people that are pro-life are also the ones who don't want to pay the taxes in order for this person to have a fair shake at it, right? Of course. So. You're you're pro life from an ideological standpoint. You're not pro life from a exactly. You're pro life. Take care of it. You're pro life until the baby's born, and then it's an inconvenience. Once the baby's born and it's breathing and it's a human being, now it's an inconvenience. And 
you know what? Again, separation of church and state was something that this country was built on from, I mean... The beginning. When the fucking pilgrims came here, no? Well, that was the thought, yeah. I mean, didn't they come for religious freedom? And, and also, that's how, kind of the government that they set up. Um, but, unfortunately... I mean, again, Sean, it's like, do, do you see a way out? No. 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 Because you said it perfectly. There's a bunch of people in power, in positions of power that don't give a shit about the people who are actually in the positions of having to make decisions. Because they are, will never experience that. And, and, and I'll tell no you what. In, and they have no interest in... in, in, in Dealing with that either. And so I'll tell it's, you what. It's fine just playing the odds here, guarantee you somebody that voted that for that has either had someone in their life or personally had to have something to do with abortion. Of course. And you know what? If they if they needed to get an abortion done, they have the means to drive to New York or wherever. But the people you know, that they're I, voting it down for, some of them don't. Yeah, a lot I, of them. I, I, talk, I say this as a, as a half-hearted joke all the time to to yourself when we're off the pod. Sometimes even on the pod, and definitely anybody else I talk with, I pretty much end every conversation with "I hate my goddamn state," and it's true. Like I love living in Austin. I I've really enjoyed it here. Like my career's good. Like my living scenario is good. The social life is good. The state of Texas is a fucking debacle. <laughs> And none of my friends enjoy supporting it, which is why, you know, I made sure that I was registered to vote my first year of eligibility so that I voted against any kind of horseshit. But it doesn't matter because there's so many cocksuckers in the state that are supportive of this simply because they want to get Republicans in in the House and in the Senate and making these decisions where, again, it's like, you know, you're never going to be in the position to make these decisions. Why are you prohibiting others? You know, we're in Pride Month right now, Tom. Do you think this? Do you think this decision of Roe vs. Wade overturning is going to stop there? Of course no, not. This is Clarence the start. Thomas, Clarence, Clarence Thomas is going to get rid of, or do his best to get rid of, you know, same-sex marriage, and everybody here is going to try to get rid of the entirety of you know, figuring out how to, how to have equality and, and pride month is evil and critical race theory is, is detrimental to our country's development. And we're teaching our children the wrong end of American history. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, we've talked about this. Oh, I'm sorry for wanting to further educate myself and potentially take a, you know, humble, a slice of humble pie and realize that maybe what I wasn't taught my entire life is true doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, it doesn't make me feel bad, it doesn't make me feel evil, it doesn't make me feel like I contributed to a terrible part of American history. Fuck it, I just want to learn more, I just want to be better. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last, two years ago at this time, after the George Floyd murder, and what it was, a murder. Like, we just want to be better, we want to further support, and as soon as we get these old pieces of shit out of here the better we're going to be. But I feel so terrible for the people whose 
liberties and freedoms are infringed upon now. And most importantly, their health and safety. These poor women who are like, wait, so all of a sudden I might get arrested if I do something healthy for my body? Yeah, well, not to mention, and that's the thing that Michaela did talk about, was the people that are in health care that can be prosecuted for, a nurse can be prosecuted for assisting, a doctor can be prosecuted for, you know, for, for doing it, so... And and they're Awful. looking at a long time in jail. So I mean, it's not just a fine here and there. It's prison time. And I mean, look, Sean, look at the bright side, bro. If you want a gun, just go to Seven Eleven, man. They're fucking handing them out <laughs> nowadays with these new fucking. I'll tell you what, man. They're building a Bucky's in Austin. There's going to be an entire gun range, I'm sure, built around it. So great. It's good to hear, man. Well. Dude, we forgot to show each other our concealed carry permits. True. So I'll show you it offline. I'm super excited about that. I can't wait to get up there and, and have you present yours to me and mine to you. It's going to be a real fucking, you know, man show right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's we're, we're in tough shape right now, but that's all we have to say. Um, Honestly, kind of a depressed, a little bit of a little stroke of genius in the middle there, but at the beginning and the end, a very depressing pod. But it needed to be both needed to be <laughs> talked about. No, I'm happy you brought it up. Um, I wasn't sure, if, you know, when we were potentially going to do this podcast last weekend, we were going to lead with it, and you know, it's amazing what four or five days go, you know, by, and we think, you know. Kevin Durant requesting a trade is the most important thing on the table, but we are a sports podcast. You know, we have to recognize that and we have to recognize that people come to us to have a distraction, but it's also important that we use our platform to continue to demonstrate how we feel. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for both of us who, who are like-minded and continue to, share the same thoughts and we do a really good job. I, I'm going to give you a lot of credit here as the CEO of texting me and be like, I think we need to talk about this. And you too. Because I think we, I think as we, my crony, you know, we discussed, <laughs> well, that's not nice. That's a disparaging, <laughs> that's a disparaging term. But, um, even last podcast, right? Like I didn't put Deshaun Watson in my notes. Uh, and, and you were like, let's talk about it because you had a lot of conviction behind, being able to talk about it, and as we said on the pod, like I followed your lead, and I thought that was really good. And, and I'm going with your lead I, on this one, man. I think that I think what what people want in in this space is we promote our podcast, and we're well over 240 episodes in. And yes, we're a sports podcast, and we want you to treat us as that. You know, we are a distraction. We are people that can really speak passionately about our teams and, and how we feel about, you know, the standings of what the Yankees are going to do with the trade deadline or a real World Series team and what the hell is the future of the Nets and did Jalen Brunson really fix the Knicks and blah, blah, blah. We can treat those like the biggest priorities, but we are really good, and I give you a lot of credit as, as far as being able to switch gears in a very... Uh, mature way and say, you know what? Let's talk about this for a minute because we're equipped to do so. And, you know, especially you living with Michaela and hopefully, you know, 
proposing to her soon and having an engagement and then following up with a wedding and marriage. Don't put like, a timetable on me now, Sean. I've already got too many people doing that. You brought it up, so it's a time <laughs> on me. Um, you, you, you want to talk about this shit because it applies to you, right? And like, I live here. I just think it applies to the country, you know? It's, yeah, I, I, I live here in Austin. And we I'm live a here. guy. Like, it affects me. It affects any any girl that I come into interaction with, despite your, your offhanded comments. Like, at some point, bro, it affects matters, everyone. Dude, and, it su- and it sucks. It sucks to be a part of. It does. And you know what? I'm happy we put it at the end because I totally understand if people don't want to listen to this and they come to this podcast to listen to us bullshit and make them laugh and 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 whatever. And if they want to fast forward through it, that's their prerogative again. It's a free country. Do what you want. But for us, it had to be said. It was said. It's on wax. What else can we do? Are you proud of... Uh, of- how you articulate things and do you think that you've gotten better during the span of our podcast yeah i think we both have gotten a lot better i mean you know without the ten thousand hours kind of thing um and you know i i just think it's speaking from the heart and trying to look at it from other people's point of view because at the end do of the you day like have, do you like having the platform where regardless of how many people listen you're able to kind of get your thoughts out because when i promote when i promote our podcast i say you don't have to agree with us but at least respect us and i think you do a really good job of cultivating that during the pod so do you you kind of demonstrate that to everybody you talk about it with absolutely like you could totally disagree with my uh live golf take or whatever but just know that like we know what the hell we're talking about and we we put the effort in and and I think, you know, we've we've grown a lot, the both of us, uh, through this thing. And I don't want to stop anytime soon because we got a lot to talk about. No, we do. And, and I think it's great. And I'll leave you with this last final question as, as we wrap up this, this episode here and head into the 4th of July weekend is, what's your favorite part about doing this podcast? Like, you know, we, we have done so much good sports talk. We have done so much real life stuff. And I, I think... Kind of it sucks, right? That we've we've had to endure as much as we've endured over the last couple of years. But which what are you most proud of, and what's your favorite part about coming on the air and 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 just being able to express your opinions on stuff? I think for me, it's just like it's things like oh, I like when I mean, do I want to talk about our Roe versus Wade? No, but I feel like that's important, so we have to. Um, but for me, it's just like, like s- sitting in my van driving to, to from here and there. And I'm like, I can't fucking wait to tell Sean about this business plan and see if he thinks it's stupid or it's genius because <laughs> I know that you're going to give me an honest answer and I'm excited to hear your reaction and then get texts from people on their reaction. And I, I just like, I just cannot wait to go. And there's certain times where I'm just like, God, I wish I could just record right now. I couldn't agree with you more. I felt the same way. Uh, you know, the Kyrie news on Monday, I was like, fuck, I want to record this podcast. And then I started feeling under the weather and my voice started going to hell. And I was like, fuck, like, get your shit together so you can do this thing. And then you texted me this morning, like, can you get a pod in? And I was like, oh, I might not be awake. I might want to go to sleep. And I'm like, KD left you without no, a choice. No, you want to huh? get your opinion out because, what's that? I said, KD left you without a choice there, huh? KD, KD left me without a choice. But it was also like, I want to hear your thoughts because you texted me about your way to fix golf. And I was like, 
I think you do a really good job of sending me these teases, but not telling me the answer. So I'm like, oh, like you even texted me this morning. It was like, I've been watching a lot more baseball lately. And when we finally can abandon NBA, we're not there yet, obviously. No, but no. it's like, not even close. But once we do, it's like, man, we have July and August where it's pretty much only going to be baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, sweet. You've been watching a lot more. Like, tell me about that. And I know you're mature enough and are in a situation where you, when you want to talk real life shit, you're, you're like totally invested. I think that's what makes us good. Like we're not half asking this. No, never. Um, you know, there's certain times where we could have ups and downs on the pod, but I think even our, our bad, we still grind through it. And, and you're absolutely the same way. Like you have a switch where you could go into your whole, you know, you're almost, you're, you're really, that was a passionate speech, but then we can turn around and say how talk, bullshit like we're doing right now and talk about what we love about the pod. And I think, I think it's just years of us talking together and being friends before it. And, and we've kind of figured it out. And if, uh, you know, if somebody wants to pick us up, like we're anybody but live golf, we're for hire. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you fix their sports. Well, if so. live golf drops a bag, I mean, it's going to be tough. Like I said, if well, the company I'm, I'm, offered I'm me willing, four I'm times willing. my salary, it would be tough to say no. Not even, Listen, you know, Tom, Tom, if somebody were to say, like, Sean, you can only talk golf for the rest of your career. I will never watch another baseball game again and only watch golf. You know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, like, we should we should um, shrink like our talking down. Maybe this was an idea to grow the podcast and and kind of <laughs> make it a little like zero in on something. I'm I'm losing the words, but I'm like, is Sean gonna get into the, that into golf? Because I was looking at these companies and I'm like, what are some of these companies missing? And it's a golf podcast, and I'm like, if I could get Sean into golf, we could really kill it, and then we could infiltrate. I think then, I've done. I think I've done a good job. You absolutely that. have. No, you have. But uh, I was. Like, I'm we could winners, infiltrate I've got this. Yeah. and majors. You know. Listen, we're gonna see what happens with the open, but if we could just infiltrate a place and then after a couple you, pods, USC and UCLA might be joining the Big Ten. So your 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 college football portal, you know, is wide open now with two teams that play in Southern California and joining the Big Ten and might be playing in Piscataway for a conference game. So like, is that yeah. is this new news? Oh yeah, I dropped today. Wow! As soon as soon as, two, as soon as 2024, USC and UCLA could be Pac-10 or um, Big Ten teams. Hmm. I See, guess the Pac-12 that. might be dead. Yeah, I know. But that's the thing, right? Like, you know, you embrace college football, I embrace golf, and, and to here be honest, we are. But. The way it's looking, I mean, if they're gone, Oregon's gone too, for sure. And then... I mean, Texas is already leaving. They're going to the SEC, right? Texas and OSU are joining the uh, SEC. I think think the Pac-12 is just going to turn into... OSU, OU, I'm sorry. Yes. I think the Pac-12 is just going to... And at this point, we're just rambling, so people can can end it when they want. I think the Pac-12 is going to turn into, like, whatever... I forgot the conference that Gonzaga plays in. Maybe they'll just combine. Oh, what is it? The... uh, Whack, uh, is it? Yeah, the wet, the Western Athletic Conference. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much what it's going to be. Like, I don't think there's even going to be conferences. I think there's going to just be like 
regional areas where top teams play each other, and then eventually there's, you know, a Sweet 16, Elite 8. Well, you know we've been clamoring for that for a long time. We have been. We have been. But it's wild, dude, because, like, if USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, then there's no regional market anymore. So, like, there's there's no reason to even have conferences, right? Like, I don't think there's a reason on. anymore. I mean, Syracuse is in the ACC. <laughs> they're and at not- least that's kind of, like... Yeah, you're the Atlantic Coast, at least that, right? Like Syracuse is in the Atlantic. New York, yes, sure, it's on the Atlantic. Syracuse, have you ever been to Syracuse? I haven't, but I know it ain't anywhere near the ocean. No, but neither is neither is Pitt. Another one. Thank you for supporting right. my argument. But tech, like all of those, right? Like, but that's the problem. I I don't think that there is regional, you know competitiveness anymore like UConn and Syracuse used to be a rivalry they're not a thing anymore UConn's in the new Big East that's changed over twice and Syracuse is kind of toiling in the ACC like I don't know it doesn't matter if you, if you put teams like USC and UCLA in the Big Ten then it's just like why are we even doing this anymore there's no reason yeah. for it and we've talked about this at nauseam Tom there's there's no incentive of even winning the conference championship game because the the final four is kind of already predetermined, right? Yeah, I mean when I think Big Ten, I think like cold winners, Midwest, hard nosed yeah. football. Right? There you go. Me too. It's like run, 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 punt, run, 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 punt. <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I think of. It's so true. And then when I think of those two teams, I think of, you know, California Sunshine and the West Coast offense and the Pac-12. Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold in 2018, like 45-41, mm-hmm. right? Like, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm agree- I'm in agreement with you. Like, you, you can't... Conferences are not it- a thing anymore, man. And this whole NIL thing and the transfer portal is just going to send college football for a loop. And that's another not-for-profit that needs to go for profit and figure it the hell out. Speaking of which, so do you see the uh, the evidence tape today that leaked of uh, Jimbo Fisher, like, paying for a player? No, when was this? I'll I'll send it to you off the air. When it, when did not not when was it put out? When did the when did the video take place? April of this year. I thought this whole thing was buttoned up. We're good here. It's nil. No, apparently it was it was a little bit different because it wasn't an nil deal. It was literally like, we're just going to pay you like we're gonna we're gonna put you on a payroll to come to Texas A and M. Hmm. Well. I guess Saban's, so I guess Saban's crying all, in his soup. Huh? No, he wasn't. And you know what? Guy's that great. As great as much of a bitch as Saban is for not going to the NFL. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, they're usually, you know, he's not going to complain because somebody beat him in recruiting. He's going to complain because there, there's something there. So Yeah, he's going to be like, well, why the hell did that player not come to me? Mm-hmm. And I get it. Especially Probably because he didn't pay done. him enough. <laughs> right, especially <laughs> if it was done, you know, offhandedly. And you know, I I can't wait to hear what Texas paid for Quinn Ewers and what Texas paid for Arch Manning. I think that's going to be great. Because 
By the way, I'm not going because the tickets are literally in, insane. But listen to this. So my buddy has season tickets for uh, University of Texas because he works for the university. And um, he said he bought or uh, he sold his two tickets uh, for the Alabama game, which is week two this year. It's like September oh, man. 16th or something. And he's up in the nosebleeds. Uh, at, at, I'm surprised uh, he can sell game. them working for the college but we're not gonna we're not gonna mention his name we'll let him get his bag yeah no he was well i mean he works for him but he's also like i i bought these tickets like i they're in my name i can do it with them whatever the hell i want and he uh, he sold the two and he's like i can pay my entire rent for three months with the two tickets jesus Wow. And these aren't even great seats. Like I said, these are up in the nosebleeds. I was like, yo. Well, one and last like, plug, my friend. You should talk to your buddy, tell him to subscribe to the Substack, and he could turn that three months rent into a down payment on a house. There we go. He <laughs> listens to the pod, by the way, so he will hear this if he's listened to our rambling now for the last twenty minutes. Yeah. But I'm gonna uh, have to give a I'm gonna have to give in the open, I'm gonna have to give like a little uh warning. Like we rambled at about the hour forty five mark. Sure. Well, we it was well done. But if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go as well. Yes, sir. We'll catch up on some other bullshit the next time. Um, you took this a lot longer than I thought you were going to, being sick. But seems like you were ready to talk. I'm happy you were. Um, yeah, I don't feel great, but I chugged a tea before the pod, and I feel good. So I'm glad awesome. we did it. Well, I'm glad we did too. Happy 4th of July to everybody, as happy as you can be. Um, Sean, I hope you have some good plans for it. Um, I'm going to be in the Cape, so tell Good your dad. For you. Where, where in the Cape are you? Honestly, bro, no idea. I'm going to a wedding at a very fancy venue, apparently. Mm. So I have no clue, but I'm looking for it. A some sandwich, so if you drive by, you know, let me know, and you can stop by. They might be happy to entertain you. Might be. I like how you say that. <laughs> well, they're going to want it. They're going to want a heads up. Yeah, of course. All right, I'm not bro. Well. Be like, hey, by the way, it's four o'clock on Sunday. Uh, my co-host, who you've never met, and good friend Tom and uh, Michaela are going to swing by, so they might want a heads up. Okay. Well, you know, tell your dad the sticks might be in the trunk. <laughs> Don't tempt him with a good time. <laughs> I'll try not to. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a good fourth. You too, man. Feel better. Everybody, be good. Yes, sir. Thank you.